Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor Podcast. Okay, super excited to be here, guys. Welcome, welcome everyone to the virtual vision board session. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, well, why do we need a vision board? That it seems silly, but to me, you know what? It makes the biggest difference. We're going to be doing some writing and working together. And so during this session, I really want to focus on just getting laser focused on like your next best steps. Some of you are still trying to figure out which market to invest in. Some of you are trying to figure out where your funding is going to be coming from. Some of you may not know your avatar and we do want to get we want to get there. We want to cover that, but we do want to take a few first steps before we dive right in. During this session, we're going to be going over our virtual vision board. We want to go ahead and vision. If you have Canva, if you have the markers, if you have all the things, let's do that. Because I want everyone to be clear on who exactly it is that you want to serve. Once you know who your ideal guest avatar, guys, then it is on. The next thing that I want you to walk away with, what is the location? What's the, Maybe it's an approximate. For those of you who haven't started investing yet, maybe it's an approximate. What is the approximate location? that you want to invest in, okay? So which market? Is it right here in your own backyard? Is it remote? I want you to walk away with that, you know, as part of this. For those of you who are still trying to figure things out in terms of the numbers, well, what is your current budget? What is your dial payment? Where is it going to come from? You know, how can you squeeze the juice out of different assets that you may have to make it happen? Yeah, and so, and what are your goals? Long-term, what are your goals? of the amount of revenue that you want to generate over the next 12 months. You know, how much work do you want to put into the property yourself? Or are you going to hire out? Because that is definitely a conversation worth happening. But even before, prior to you outsourcing that role, you want to make sure if you're looking to qualify and check off the material participation boxes, that you do that work yourself up front so that you can leverage bonus depreciation this year. And so these are tax strategies that we discuss, additional things that we look at is your acquisition model because there are three ways to host. Actually, there are four ways to host short-term rentals, you know, so your acquisition model, and we will go into that in a few other details. But what I really want is to help you to move the needle and the appropriate needles, because what we I've learned about new investors, especially in short-term rentals, new investors do not fail 
because of starvation. You know, they fail because of indigestion. And I know I've heard it said about entrepreneurs, but we, those who are getting started, you know, I hear it time and time again, my clients, members inside of the community, they're failing because of indigestion. They get a lot of information. There is a lot of information out there, but action isn't taken. And it's all about the action. It's not really about the thousands of podcasts that you've listened to, which is great. I love it. I'm here for it. And I consumed a lot of podcasts. It's not just about the podcast that you've listened to. What is the one or two action steps that you took away from those podcasts, you know, and what have you put into action? It's not, you know, the 50 books that you read last month, right? I know we love to boast about all the books that we've read, which is amazing. But what are the one or two action steps that we're going to take in order to move the needle forward? So that's what I want to encourage. You don't need a new strategy. You don't need more information. We just need to take action. And so that is my story and I'm sticking to it. So, all right. So the first thing we do when we're visioning, and this is how I do my annual planning. And we just came back from Cabo actually, where we did our annual plan. The first thing we do is actually we reflect on what the year was like. So the prior year, we want to reflect, we want to think about you know, what are some of the good things that we were able to accomplish? What are some of the challenges that we we're able to navigate? You know, and let's just start reflecting there. What are some of the wins? What are some of the lessons? You know, and it could be anything that is related to health anything that is related to W2 work and maybe related to family and maybe related to personal business, your relationship or relationships and maybe contribution. How did you contribute? So I want you all to just take a moment and just jot that down. What is it that you experienced in 2022? And The reason I want us to do that is because I actually was reminded of this last year when I read the book, The Gap and the Gain. And uh, this is a book by Dr. Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan. And what I loved about that is that we constantly, especially overachievers, we're constantly jumping from win to the next goal without taking a step back and really taking it in. So not just looking forward, but why do we measure the progress of our lives? Like how far have we come to even have the idea to invest or to even have the idea to reposition our portfolio, you know? So I want us to take a a step back and just spend a moment in reflection. Did you find a property? Did you find a great realtor that you trust? Did you find lending? Did you find your down payment? You know, so those are some of the things that are huge wins and can be a roadblock for many. So if you experience any of those in business, that's great as well. How often should we change the design? But not very often. I would say every four or five years, if necessary. But our design coach <laughs> in the program, she usually gives us a lot of insight on the on that. Now, if your design is so eclectic that is it is completely 
out of line for the current times, then you may consider updating the design. Or if you purchased a property that was already designed and it was not too standard or not up to standard, I would then suggest considering changing that design as well. So if you're multitasking, I want you to come back to me, okay? I want you to start visualizing at the end of 2023, okay? What's going to be true about you as an investor at the end of the year? What's going to be true about you as an investor at the end of the year? What's going to be true about your business, your short-term rental investing business? at the end of the year. So jot that down. And then we're gonna go into what's gonna be true about your personal life at the end of the year. Because as one of my coaches say, you know, if your life is out of order, your business is not gonna thrive. So that's very important as well. So what's gonna be true about you, your personal life, your business, what's gonna be true about you as a short-term rental investor? or short-term rental hosts at the end of 2023. And so these questions are really in line with, and I want you to be thinking about your why, you know? And this is the point at which I call it my liquidation series. I start to reevaluate and reassess our portfolio at this point. So I'm reminded of my why, you know, so what is your why? All right. So the next, I call this kind of my filter and I got this again from Dr. Benjamin Harvey, Hardy and Dan Sullivan. And I have a combination of different coaches that I follow, that I work with in order to improve myself. I love, you know, improving And I love to do that to make sure that I'm bringing the very best to the community. And so one of the tools that I look to using in order to identify, well, what are my goals going to be is something that they have prescribed called the impact filter. So what I love about this filter, it helps you to clarify exactly what the goal is, why it's important, the difference that it's going to make, the ideal outcome the best and worst scenario and what does success look like, the success criteria. And so for me, I've used that so many times this past year when hiring. So we've, we went through a lot of hiring last year, a lot of separating as well. So we hired, we fired. And as we continue to go through the pain of all of that, I thought to myself, you know what, there has to be a better way And so part of that was actually going through that impact filter and being patient and picking up the slack, you know, being slow to hire (laughs) and fast to fire, unfortunately. So it served us well to use that filter. All right. So the next question that I have for you guys is it goes into the same of, you know, who you know, who do I envision I will be at the end of the year? And who do I need to be in order to make these decisions? Who do I need to be? Because here's the deal. If you're afraid of numbers, if you're, you know, a little bit all over the place, if you're indecisive, if you want to try all the strategies, you're not going to be the most effective investor. 
you know, so start thinking to your, start thinking, you know, putting on your CEO mindset, who do I need to be in order to reach the goal of what I envisioned for the end of 23, 2023, who do I need to be this person? And sometimes it means I need to, you know, wake up a little bit earlier, or it may mean I need to, you know, work a little bit more during the weekends just to get started. This is not going to be a life sentence, but these are some of the things that you may take into consideration, or it may mean I need to you know, go on, do not disturb with my phone in the evenings to be with family. If you're thinking about your personal life and with family, it's a really tricky situation and balancing it all is absolutely the key, right? It may mean to, it may mean I was actually speaking with a fellow mentee of mine. I I actually expressed to her, I think she may need a second phone. It may mean you need to get a second phone, one at which you know, your short-term rental clients, you know, and your hosts, for those of you who are co-hosting, they have access to this specific phone number. And so you get to turn that off at a certain time of day. I know some of you are burning the candle at both ends. So, so think about this. It may mean that you may need to become a master you know, with organization, you may need to, you know, become a master when it comes to hiring finding someone to replace you so that you can fire yourselves from being the cleaning person, fire yourself from being guest communication. So figure figure that out. Understanding who you need to be is going to be key. All right. So I'm going to share with you my liquidation questions. And these are the questions that I ask myself every single quarter as I look at my portfolio as I reevaluate my life, because here's the deal. When it comes to investing, specifically in short-term rentals, I would have a different set of questions if I were investing in a different asset class. But when it comes to short-term rental investing or residential real estate investing, I reposition, I look at my portfolio in order to reposition it every quarter to see what's trending, which properties are performing, which aren't performing. Those that aren't performing, what can we do to improve it? And then that property essentially is on probation. So I'll go through the questions and I will create a resource to share it with you guys as well. So my number one question that I ask is why do I invest in real estate? And so that is the part of the why exercise. So for this next 90 days, I asked myself those questions. And then in 90 days, again, I asked myself the same questions. So why do I invest in real estate? The second question is, what is my number? And that could be a number of properties. That could be your cutting back to, you know, part-time at your W-2 number. It could be walking away from W-2 number. It could be your revenue number, monthly revenue number. So what is my number? And you want to have that written down, place that on your wall. It could be a year. You know, my goal was free in 23. I wrote that down. Every time I entered my office, there's a sign on there that said free in 23. Guess what? We were free in 22. So know your number, guys. Number three, how do I plan on getting there? So once you know your number, evaluate how do you plan on getting there? You know, she says she was looking for a strategy, you know, and so that is her strategy. That is how she plans on getting to her number. The next question is, which house should I buy first? 
And for some of you who have already invested, it would be which house should I buy next? And for some of you who may be sitting on an asset that you're not fully leveraging, it would be which house should I launch first or which house should I launch next or which property should I launch first or which property should I launch next, okay? So really important. The next question I ask myself is, how is the best way to increase my cash flow? And I know the grammar is not the greatest, guys. Many of you know English is like my third language, but we're going to go with it. It might, it probably should be what is the best way. So don't come for me, my attorney, <laughs> family members in the LSA realm. So what is the best way I can increase my cash flow? So for those of you who have, haven't met me yet, welcome, welcome, and thank you for being here. I want to remind you that the reason I focused on the luxury space, it was not a brilliant strategy that, you know, I just devised from, you know, out of thin air. It was actually from me wanting to be a little bit less ambitious. I'm going to say it. I wanted to be less ambitious. I wanted to work less. <laughs> I wanted to get off of the struggle bus. I'd been struggling all my life. And I said, you know what? How do I own and operate the fewest number of properties that generates the highest profitability? Because I'm a firm believer that all you need is one or two properties to be wildly profitable. Okay. So one or two properties to be wildly profitable. So how do I increase my cash flow? For some of you, it's purchasing your first property. It's purchasing your next property. It's actually getting rid of things that are eating up your cash flow. <laughs> I know it's hard to do, but that is the truth. And I'm going to bring the truth to you. For some of you, it's squeezing more juice out of your property that you already have. And I left that for last, but guys, that is first. I want you squeezing as much juice and optimizing the life out of your property. So we were just on a coaching call a little bit earlier. And one of the questions were, you know, I have a property that's listed on one OTA, which OTAs are the online travel agencies like Airbnb and Verbo. So it's listed on one OTA, it's not listed on the other. And so I'm wanting to list it on the other OTA. That right there, guys, that's already thinking, you know, and asking the right questions. There's there are things that you can actually do to squeeze more juice out of your property. And something as, you know, as straightforward as listing on additional OTA is already going to, is already going to put you on the map. A few weeks ago, we interviewed with Annie Sloan, the host.co founder, and we talked about upsells, adding shoppable stores within your property. That is huge, my friends. If you do not have a shoppable store within your property, can you tell me with full confidence that you're leveraging the best way to increase cash flow in your property? You're not. And we're going to be interviewing with Maddie. She's the founder of Mount. This is another strategy. So Mount, they actually place, and I don't quote me yet, but we'll see. They place you know, different rentals within your property. Say there's golf cart rentals and there's 
you know, moped rentals and things like that. Of course, you got to get your liability waivers going, but these are things that can be listed and rented out in your properties. The same property, if it's set up correctly, we can squeeze as much juice out of it as possible. Okay. All right. So the next question is, what is the next house <laughs> that I should sell? Which house do I sell next? Straight up. And look, we got rid of some duds in 2022. I'm not even going to lie. We got rid of some problem children in 2022 because our strategy is we want to look at the bigger and better is the strategy. So bigger and better is definitely the strategy. So we got rid of some properties in 2022. So if it is not performing and we're putting effort, money, resources into it, and it is not performing, guess what? Adios, <laughs> sayonara. So that is definitely something that you need to take into consideration. Okay, next question is, what is the most important thing to me when selecting my guest avatar? Okay, and so for those of you who do not yet know who your guest avatar is, it's gonna be really important to understand and to decide who it is that you want to serve. That is the beauty of short-term rentals. You get to choose. Of course, you get to host a wide variety of people, but you also get to choose who it is that you want to serve. And you set up your property to cater to that specific guest avatar. Okay. So, so keep that in mind. So the next one is how much cash should I have on hand? Y'all, do not sleep on cash reserves, okay? Do not sleep on cash reserves. Very important, very important. Do not sleep on cash reserves. This is what's going to help you when you're in a pickle, when you're in a pinch, okay? All right, so the next question is which loan should I refinance first? which loan should I refinance first? You want to ask yourself that. So say you have a loan for some of you who are leveraging the debt service coverage ratio loan, the DSCR loans. You want to ask that question, which loan should you refinance first? And then my last question for the liquidation side of things is how do I pay less taxes? How can I pay less taxes? Because I know a lot of us are working hard and we're generating a lot of revenue, we're getting paid, but at the end of the day, how much are you able to keep, right? And so short-term rentals has been a really amazing vehicle to allow us to not only work for our money, but we get to keep some of it as well, okay? All right. Do I need to form a different LC for different strategies, one for midterm, another for short-term due to taxes or can both be done under the same LLC? That's a great question. My attorney would crush my life if I give any type of business formation advice. So unfortunately, I am not able to give that type of advice on here. I would definitely suggest speaking with a tax strategist. And I think that is, it's such an important question. I'm so glad you asked it. So when you speak, when you're able to speak with a tax strategist, they're going to look at your whole situation holistically. They may, you may have a W-2. And so if you have a W-2 full-time, you know, their strategy may be different 
than if you're self-employed or if you're an entrepreneur, say you're an entrepreneur, but you have, you know, passive income already, they may have you structure things differently. So definitely speak with your tax strategist. That is one of the cornerstones and one of the most important resources we have inside of our program because the taxes alone have saved members of our community over six figures. And so you don't want to get it wrong. So great question. I'm so excited that you're asking that question, but your tax strategist is going to be one of the resources that I highly recommend that you connect with in order to get that question answered. So as far as your six key decisions, guys, so here's the deal. I know everyone's looking for a slam dunk market that they want to invest in, you know, a market that they say, okay, I'm just going to go here, you know, but unfortunately we're all humans, right? And so when it comes to investing in short-term rentals and investing in real estate as a whole, I know there are a lot of individuals who are actually long-term rental investors. My goal is to not only invest in places that will generate revenue, but I want to kind of be interested in visiting those places at some point, right? And so there are many people, I've seen many people who invest in short-term rentals for just for the revenue, but it's really difficult for them to get out there if they need to do some things that they want to do. So here's the deal. For 2023, I want you to not just focus on, okay, where are the dollars being made? I want it to be a combination of lifestyle as well as revenue, you know, because that is really the best of the bo of both worlds. And so here's the deal. First, I want you to determine which type of investor are you? And so there are different types of investors. There are those who are looking to invest primarily for the lifestyle side of things, and they want something that they enjoy. They may have worked, you know, in medicine for the past 40 or 50 years, and now their goal is to really create a life for themselves as well as their grandchildren that they could really start creating some of those memories that they missed out on really working all of those shifts those nice shifts we have nocturnists in our program those who work overnights those who work locum all over the place right so you get that you miss out on those milestones so they're almost looking at ways to kind of reverse that a bit and just go all in on these Mac Daddy properties in order to, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say make up for it, but sort of, you know, recapture that time. So my goal for you is to determine, are you that investor who's just looking for a short-term rental investment as something that you and your family can enjoy and make memories? And if you're able to rent it every now and then, can you offset some of the expenses or... On the flip side of it, are you that investor whose primary goal is I need cash flow? I need cash flow that's going to replace my W-2 and make sure that, you know, I can retire in the next four or five years. I need a four, five-year plan to retire. I need this cash flow and I need it as soon as possible. And so that is the first key decision, determining which type of investor you are, okay? The next question that you want to ask yourself is, well, are you looking to invest 
only in your own backyard or are you looking to invest remotely? And so some people are forced to invest remotely primarily because the cost of entry is quite high, right? So they're not able to invest right away in in their backyard due to say like in California, it may be cost prohibitive extreme seasons and you know the cost of entry is quite high and the ROI year-round is not going to make sense or regulatory restraints. Those are the two things, regulatory restraints and cost of entry has led nearly, I would say 70% of the members of my community to invest remotely. So which one are you? Determine Are you going to invest in your own backyard or are you going to invest remotely? And if you're going to invest remotely, I would suggest if you can swing, you know, a market within five hours of yours, I think that's a great place to start if you can swing it. And if there are great options that way, if not, that's going to be tough. But if you can swing it, I think that's a great place to start. And the next thing I kind of want you to think about, or what are your interests? Are you like me? I'm a, I'm from the Caribbean. I'm from Haiti originally. So I have the Caribbean (laughs) ecosystem and weather system in my bones. So I want to invest in somewhere warm. The snow looks pretty, but there's nothing about it that interests me. I may change my mind later on, but I've invested in, 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 multiple ecosystems. But if I were starting, I would suggest, you know, invest in an area that you're interested in. So are you a sunny Caribbean person? Are you a ski lodge chalet person? Are you a a lake fishing person, a hiking type of person? Are you a big city, a backpacker who want to be, you know, who's single who's looking to live the life, the nightlife and all the things in the city. Is that your scene? Is that your jam? Are you quiet suburbia? Are you national parks hiking and all the things? Or are you amusement parks? Are you a big Disney you know, person? Start to think about some of those things. What are some of those things that interest you? I would say, keep that in mind as you're thinking of narrowing down your market, because Gone are the days, guys, that you are going to let analysis paralysis just take over and take you. (laughs) I don't want that for you, okay? So once you've determined, okay, say I want to invest in a beach property, I then start to think about, okay, what type of asset? Is it a townhouse, a condo, a single family home? All, you know, start thinking about that. And then is the proximity really important to me? I will tell you the properties that we have on the beach, they, the ROI is highest for like tier two properties. So tier one, like right there in front of the water. Yes. You get a lot of revenue for having a property right on the water, facing the water and all of that. However, the, the revenue, you know, that you generate from it, actually the investment that you, you know, you're responsible for is quite high. So say tier one, you're buying it for $20 million. Yes, you can generate, you know, three or 400,000 a year, but you're in for $20 million, which is a lot, right? It's at the top of, you know, the budget. 
However, you know, say tier two or tier three, you're in at, you know, $700,000. And I will tell you that is my magic number. I do not like to invest higher than 700. <laughs> and so say you're at 700 or lower and you can still leverage the amazing rates that the tier one is making. You're not going to make as much, but you can leverage a lot of what they have put into place into your property and still walk away very nicely, but knowing your budget. So say your budget is 300,000, for instance. Well, if it's 300,000, we're not going to be beachfront in Destin, right? So understand that. So once you've determined your market, you say you want beach. Okay. Which beach markets can I afford for $300,000? And so that's how you back into which market you want to, you want to look at. And I leverage tools like AirDNA, I even go on a realtor in Zillow just to take a look at market prices as well. And so my top 75 US cities, we're scraping the data for that. I can't wait to launch that. I think at the end of next week, actually. So be on the lookout for that. All right. So the next thing that I evaluate is a team, honestly. How feasible is it for me to find cleaners? How feasible is it? for me to find a team to build around this property in this particular market. And so that's really important because you don't want to go into an obscure market that has never seen travel. And so what you're asking about is just foreign, right? And the turnover clean is different than just cleaning a house. If they're not familiar with what that process looks like, that's going to be, that's going to be, I would say a challenge. So the earlier you can start looking for team, the better. And so that's really the exercise, guys. And we go really deep inside of our program in terms of identifying this. We have a C, six key decisions where we deep dive into this a little bit further, but I really hope that has provided you some value. And so again, like I said a little bit earlier, someone just asked about my kind of my, my formula, my framework, my success formula. One of the things is, of course, as I mentioned a little earlier, properties less than 700. I like four plus bedrooms. I love a property that has a unique Instagrammable, you know, opportunity there. So definitely leveraging different characteristics of the property, understanding the, you know, for me by month one, I'm looking to have the mortgage covered at the least. So having bookings by month one. So what we implement inside of our program is a pre-marketing strategy where I teach our members to market the property even before they've closed on it, which is, it has to be done correctly and very strategically because I want you seeing cash flow immediately. <laughs> And of course, tax strategies, we leverage advanced tax strategies, cost segregation studies. So according to my tax professional, I need to have three properties purchased this year to save more on taxes. So those are some of the things that we look at. And another strategy, especially for those properties that have been short-term rentals for over a year, we reposition them into midterm rentals after we leverage our, our cost segregation. So yeah, once that is done, and we're, we got our bonus depreciation where we also market them as midterm rentals where we're looking for to host guests who are impacted by the, you know, there, there's tornadoes, hurricanes, fires, and all of those disasters that can occur. Our goal is to be able to house 
and provide a place for those guests to stay. And it's amazing because you get to get back, give back to these individuals who have been impacted, but are also able to generate close to STR revenue by doing that, by working with the insurance and the insurance pays for those days. So that's a really amazing and important strategy that we also have been leveraging. And so I actually have an article out there from that I wrote for Bigger Pockets, let's say a couple of years ago about hosting those who are impacted and, you know, the midterm rental strategy with the insurance companies, which is different. I know everyone's talking about travel nurses, but this is a different strategy for sure. How much time do you and your team work? So yeah, for me, again, one or two properties is all you need to be wildly profitable. And so our team works, I would say, on each property. So, you know, when the guest communication comes through, it comes through into one queue. So it's not divvied out per property. So it depends on the number of properties. We're up to 17. So it's going to take a bit to get that all of the communication under wraps with that. But if you have two properties, it shouldn't take you more than three hours a week to manage two properties, okay? So if you're just starting off with two properties, it shouldn't take more than that. And you can do two properties yourself. It's once you get to, I would say, if you wanna bootstrap it in DIY, you can. And if you have the time capital, you can, but it's once you get to, I want to say seven properties, then it becomes very difficult to do all the things. All right. So questions about cleaners. Yes, I do find my own cleaners and I have about, I want to say 13 (laughs) different resources that I recommend to the members inside of LSA. So we have a, a list of all the places to go to find cleaners. The best way to find them, honestly, is is referrals, but then we, you know, it depends on the market. If you're new to that market, you may need to, you know, use different strategies if you don't have a good referral source. No, I do not create my own cleaning company. That's creating a whole other business. So yeah, don't create my own company. I may have a cleaning company later in 2026 or 2027. That's not on the, the roadmap for me at this time. But no, I do not create a cleaning company. I will not create a cleaning company just to fill the gap of me looking for a cleaner. That That is a whole business. So if it comes to the point where I need more help, and I did in a certain market, so we hired them on as W-2s, but I'm not creating a cleaning company. It's hard to find good cleaners. It's hard to find, you know, find and keep good cleaners. So we do a lot in order to make sure that we find and we keep, you know, and we keep our cleaners and they don't want to go elsewhere. They don't want to work with anyone else. They just want to stay and work with us. So there's really not a use case for us to create a company where we're outsourcing our cleaners. I hope that makes sense. Final question, designer, is it worth it to hire a pro? Or as a beginner, rely on friends who have experience and self-educate myself with the tips and resources from Pinterest. It just depends on your time capital. It depends on your time capital. And let me do this. I want to share screens real quick. Hang on. Because I think this is really important. 
2023, I want us to work smarter and not harder, okay? That's what I want us to do is to work smarter and not harder. And I'm like you, I'm the Pinterest girl, I'm a DIYer, but I have so been there and I've so done that. And I've got the, I've got the scars. I've got the scars to show for it, okay? So yes, you know, you can definitely DIY it yourself, but the cost of the delay, you know, you got to count the cost. What is that delay to you? And is it in such a slow season that you can afford that delay where you're hunting and pecking and looking for all the things that you need? Or is it worth it to hire professionals and to work with professionals to compress that learning curve so that you're not putting a lot of guesswork into it and losing money. So if, you know, have expertise in design, by all means, go for it. But it, if you don't, I would say it's very, it's better to hire a pro. Unfortunately, a lot of designers out there are not very cost-effective. And so keep that in mind. Not all designers are created equal. I have heard nothing but horror stories horror stories with working with professional designers that are outside of our resources. And it's not, I'm not bragging to say, oh, I'm the, you know, the keeper of the best resources, but I'm going to brag and say, yeah, I'm the keeper of the best resources because I vet my resources. I vet my, you know, anyone that I recommend, I vet them very well. And I'm very particular about bringing anyone into the community who I do not deem to be trustworthy. And I'll be the first to say, you know what? I like this product. I've never used them, but it seems like it would be a good product to use or it seems like it would be a good vendor to use. So yes, a professional, but vet, vet them as best as you can, okay? Vet them as best as you can. I've got two clients of mine right now who did not go with the designer that I vetted and they're in litigation right now, straight litigation. So with fear and trembling, <laughs> yes, use a professional, but make sure, you know, you have the receipts. Okay. All right. So I hope I wasn't unclear. It's yeah. This is something that's really, yeah. I keep seeing issues occur again and again with designers. So it's a great question. Winging it, having a whole bunch of friends do it. You can do a hybrid of it. What I do personally is a done with you method. I go like, for instance, I have a house right now. My designer, she didn't design. I got all the furnishings that I wanted. I threw it in there and we're going to go on a virtual call and she's going to tell me yay or nay. <laughs> That's what we usually do. You know, and so she usually reduces it down significantly. I like, I I don't think I like clutter. She thinks I like clutter. So she has me like get rid of a lot of stuff. So there's a way to do it. If you have a, if you set it up and then you get a consultation from a certain designer, but of course you would have to have a relationship to swing something like that. What do you consider 
wildly profitable. What I consider wildly profitable is cash flowing 10K a month. That's what I think is wildly profitable. So when all is said and done, I'm walking away with 10K a month. Oh yeah, I like it. What is the minimum occupancy you're okay with? 50% is the minimum occupancy. So again, I appreciate each and every one of you for being here with me. I am super, super grateful that you joined me. I cannot wait to see you guys next week. Love you guys to the moon and back. And goodbye for now, everyone.